630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. So Oilers winger Ty Ratty says he's day-to-day. He did practice today. He remains on injured reserve. We shall see if he's activated for tomorrow's game against the Chicago Blackhawks. 530 face-off show here on 630 Chad. The puck will drop at 7. The Blackhawks in Vancouver tonight. Game doesn't start for another hour. It's the only game in the National Hockey League this evening. The Edmonton Oil Kings back on a good run. They have won four in a row. They will play at Regina on Friday, then in Swift Current on Saturday. We'll have their head coach, Brad Lauer, coming up between 7.30 and 8 tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, this is going to be good. I am pleased to welcome to the show Canadian sports broadcasting legend currently working for TSN and CTV, the one and only Brian Williams. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and it's always good to be back in Edmonton. Well, uh, I bet. Well, first of all, what brings you to town? We're here doing a, a feature for the Grey Cup. It's, it's an interesting feature. It's the 40th anniversary of both Commonwealth Stadium and the first of five straight Grey Cups. Now, uh, the first uh, feature will be on the fact that of those five straight Grey Cups, Reed, not one offensive lineman is in the Hall of Fame. And uh, so we've talked to uh, to Wilkinson. We've heard from uh, Warren Moon. We're talking with uh, Eric Upton tomorrow, Heck Pache. We spoke with Terry Jones this afternoon. This was an all-Canadian offensive line. And uh, as Wilkie said, I said, Wilkie, Americans come up here and they had to play behind an all-Canadian line? He said, yeah, but when I was standing and out on my rear end, I came to appreciate them. But uh, when uh, Heck Pache and the late uh, Bill Stevenson from, I believe, uh, High Prairie went on the a wall of honor uh, Warren Moon was uh, was very strong when he said uh, they should be in the Hall of Fame and uh, Terry Jones who of course spearheaded the drive to get the great Rolly Miles in the Hall of Fame I watched him play when I lived here in the 50s and uh, he says maybe I should uh, spearhead a drive to get a couple of those offensive linemen in so we're doing that and then I will talk with the commissioner who's also a former Eskimos lineman, offensive lineman, Randy Ambrosi, played in uh, in the 90s here. He also played in Calgary and Edmonton. And then our second feature is it's the 40th anniversary of what I consider the best stadium in the country. I was here in 1978 for the opening of the Commonwealth Games, and uh, you will hear from people like the late, great Dick Enberg. He and Merlin Olson, Dick was a friend of mine, uh, did a CFL game here during an NFL strike. We've got a clip of Dick saying, the stadium, the league, the facility, as good as he'd seen anywhere. We'll hear from Huey Campbell. We'll hear from uh, Wayne Gretzky on the on the outdoor game, Christine Sinclair in soccer, Diane Jones-Konohoski on the uh, Commonwealth Games. So two great features. Uh, the number 40, very important, not just for Edmonton, but for this country. Oh, well, I, I can't wait to see those. And I'm so glad you're talking about those offensive linemen, Brian. And and one of the, the best segments I've had on Inside Sports is, I think I think it was three summers ago, Wilkinson and Pothier came in studio and did an hour with me. Now, most of it was Wilkinson, uh, but yeah, he he was adamant. You, you got to get somebody in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I, I'm glad you're doing that. And, and I, something struck. No, it, it, Sorry, go ahead. 
sorry, let, let me just insert, Wilkie was great this morning. Talks like he did. He says, I, I said, Wilkie, you sounded like that when you were 25 and you played for the Argonauts. I remember you. But uh, they did, and I apologize for interrupting, but I wanted to get it in. It is so important, and, uh, you know, it's an important part of uh, of this league's history. This league's an important part of Canadian history, and I think... Uh, these will be features that will appeal to those that remember it and to the young people, 20s, teenagers. They're going to say, wow, these people all were part of what was here in uh, in uh, Commonwealth Stadium. You said something there that, that uh, struck me, Brian. You said Commonwealth Stadium still the best stadium in the league, and we've had the new one in Hamilton. We've had Ottawa come back in. We've had Saskatchewan and, and Winnipeg uh, build facilities that would be considered, uh, I would think, state-of-the-art for the Canadian Football League. But you still got some loyalty to Commonwealth, even over those new ones. How come? Well, I've been to all the stadiums, and, I, and I'm not counting Vancouver, where they had the great, uh, the first time they ever had the opening ceremonies uh, for an Olympics indoors. Remember that uh, uh, the snowboarder came flying out of the roof into the into the floor of the stadium in 2010. So that's a, that's a dome stadium. I'm not counting that. Here's why I say it's the best. A, it's 56,000. It's the biggest. Ottawa has the best location. It's not far from downtown. They get a young man from Alberta, B.C., Alabama, wherever. Uh, they can have a bicycle. They ride right there. I mean, I did Canadian figure skating there, I think it was last year, and uh, we had a, an hour to a two-hour break for dinner. You can just, there's a Joey's, there's a Whole Foods, there's tons of restaurants. It's just in a great, great location in a nice area not far from Parliament Hill. But, you know, it's a nice stadium, and it's it's rebuilt, and congratulations to them, and it's great. Um, Toronto's is small. It's uh, in the exhibition area, but a good stadium. Winnipeg is a great stadium. The problem is, and I was born in Winnipeg, and I love the peg, but... Uh, it's in a, it's just out by the University of Manitoba. Now, I know they couldn't probably find a place closer to downtown, but you're out, to, you know, in, almost in the middle of nowhere. Um, Saskatchewan is spectacular. You fly in, oh, my God, it looks like a big white spaceship sitting on the prairies. It's great. The only reason I would say Edmonton is better is because it's bigger. I mean, they're very different. Uh, Regina is spectacular. I'm not putting down any of the others, but... Uh, you know, as Dick Enberg said, uh, this is the equivalent of any NFL stadium he'd been in. And I think the great secret, and you people listening in the greater Edmonton area should be very proud. And Terry Jones made this uh, statement to me when we interviewed him this afternoon. It's not just that it was a great stadium when it opened. Think about it. Forty years ago, they have constantly improved it. Dressing rooms, fitness, indoor... I mean, there's just a long list of improvements that make it as competitive and strong today as it was 40 years ago. And believe me, that doesn't happen to every 40-year-old stadium. Yeah, well said. Brian Williams joining us tonight on, on Inside Sports. And obviously, special ties to you for the city of Edmonton and watching the Canadian Football League in the city of Edmonton. I mean, you have some incredible memories here. Well, my dad was the medical director for a year at Royal Alexander. I went to grade 8 at New Westminster Junior High School. My brothers and sisters went to Royal Glenora. Um, I can remember going when I when that cab pulled in this morning to the west side of Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, there's the press box from Old Clark Stadium. And I can remember going in a sleeping bag. It was so cold. And I can remember one game, it was a playoff game. I mean, I remember the team, Parker, Kwong, Miles, Bright, 
Getty. In fact, during the Vancouver Olympics, I got a couple of very nice emails from Don Getty as he was watching the coverage. But I, I remember going to those games and they were playing Winnipeg and the quarterbacks were either Kenny Plain or Jim Van Pelt or both. So uh, I, I do have great memories. And I also, Don Sherry and I are doing our radio show once and he mentioned uh, the Western Hockey League and he said there was a player in Seattle. I said, yeah, Guile Fielder. He said, how do you know that? <laughs> I said, I lived in Edmonton. I used to follow the Edmonton Flyers in the Western Hockey League. Denny Reagan was a goaltender. And, of course, I remember the junior, the Oil Kings, uh, Eddie Joyal, Bruce McGregor. Uh, I later went to high school in Hamilton, which had a Hamilton Red Wing Junior A team. So, and I went to university at Aquinas College in Michigan. So I have great, everyone says, you love the Detroit Red Wings. I said, of course, I lived in Edmonton. I lived in Hamilton. <laughs> I went to university in Michigan. That's incredible. Uh, Brian Williams joining us on Inside Sports, as he mentioned, in town, uh, working on a couple of features related to the Grey Cup, related to the history of the Eskimos and the Commonwealth Stadium. I mean, Brian, uh, you know, every everybody has, has watched you as a host, watched you as a storyteller. And uh, you have all these great memories, but you know you're 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 still doing stuff. Uh, you're not just you, you love talking about the past, but you're also still uh, telling telling great stories. I, I got I got to ask you this, and I I think people will be interested. Um, you know what what's kept you going in an industry with sometimes not a lot of security, and uh, as as I know firsthand, uh, you know a lot of changes ongoing in a lot of different ways what what's what's kept you going what's kept you successful what's kept you passionate realizing how lucky i am to do what i do and being prepared i was at the 1976 olympics my first of 14 olympics in montreal Don Chevrier, who worked for CJCA, when I was in grade 8, I went to the old Edmonton exhibition in CJCA. Tiger Radio was uh, was broadcasting from there, and I talked to Don, he, and he encouraged me, later worked with him at CBC. So we're in Montreal, it's an off day in boxing, and he takes me to meet the great Howard Cosell. And Howard Cosell's there with Ethel Kennedy, Hugh Carey, the governor of New York, he's got state troopers, I mean, he's a star, and the building is empty, and... Uh, and Howard uh, says to Don, Dan, would you do my radio show to New York? And Don says, do you have a script? And Howard said, who needs a script? And uh, the, I am answering your question. And uh, and so anyhow, Howard sits down and he does it. Hello again, everyone. Howard Cosell speaking of sports for Budweiser. I have just watched boxing poetry here at Maurice Richard Arena, Montreal, Canada, back after this. So he does it to exactly five minutes. And he turns to Don and says, that's how you do it. And uh, Chevy, of course, a great, great Hall of Fame broadcaster, as was Don Whitman. Uh, as is Brian Hall, my buddy with the best hair in broadcasting. Uh, if you listen to Don Cherry, he says, no one's got hair like Hall. But um, so he finishes, and they're cheering. And as he's walking out of the building, I'm a young broadcaster. And Reedy says to me, young man, come over here. And I'm about 5'9". He's about 6'3". He leans down, and he says, remember one thing if you want to be a success. The best ad-libs in life are rehearsed. And I said, do you mean you practiced this? He said, you don't think it just arrived in my head, do you? So to answer your question, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm, I love what I do. I think if you keep yourself in, in shape physically, mentally, and you're prepared. Larry King was asked if he's ever nervous, and he said only when he's not himself. The great talk show host on CNN years ago 
I'm only not myself when I'm not prepared. So I realize, you know, it is a, it's a tough business. Uh, I talked to one of my heroes today. He recently turned 90, the great golden Greek, Ernie Afghanis. Uh, the Greek is doing well, living here in Edmonton. His uh, daughter, Robbie, answered the phone. Uh, Ernie, there, I mean, there was a time in this country when you had Ted Reynolds in Vancouver, Ernie Afghanis, Al McCann in Edmonton, um, you, you, you go across the country, the great Don Whitman in Winnipeg, Chevy in Edmonton, later Toronto, Tom McKee, Johnny Eason in Toronto, and uh, these are my heroes. I was fortunate to work with them, and you talk to someone like Chris Cuthbert, he would uh, tell you today how much we learned, and, and I put Brian Hall in that league. I mean, Brian Hall once worked at Chum in Toronto. My first ever job was Chum in Toronto in 1970, then CFRB for a year with Dave Hodge and Bill Stevenson, and uh, then uh, CBC for 32 years, and I've been at uh, CTV TSN since uh, 06 to do the Olympics. So I've been fortunate, and I never forget that for a moment. Oh, that's incredible, Brian. I'm glad you brought up the Olympics as well because, you know, you know so many people, uh, I think, associate, you know, you, you with the Olympics, the hosting, the storytelling. Um, the Olympics, you know, it, it's for me, Brian, when, when the Olympics are, are going on, and now they're every two years, not every four, since they split up the winter and the summer, and I always get such mixed reaction on the Olympics from listeners and from sports fans. Certainly there is the, I want Canadians to do well, I will cheer for Canada no matter what, whether it's NHL players, whether it's other players, I don't care if it's uh, sports I don't usually watch, uh, I want Canadians to do well. But I also get a lot of um, the Olympics have become this overblown, corporate, corrupted entity that I kind of makes me feel a little icky to watch it and, and support it. Um, you know, how do you sort of uh, see those, those two sides of what, uh, of what fans are experiencing now when it comes to the Olympics? And is, and is that sort of something that has crept into your thought process too? Reed, it's a great point. But let me tell you, I believe the Olympics are about the athletes, not the fat cats in the International Olympic Committee that ride in limousines, stay in spectacular hotel suites, and think the Olympics are about them. So the way I look at the Olympics is the athletes and the wonderful, wonderful stories. The athlete, look, they're not 1896. The rebirth of the, the game started back in 770 B.C. I was in Olympia, Greece, where they started the first race. It was a 200-meter race roughly for men. <laughs> this is a frightening thought. They ran naked. <laughs> right. And I've been to the starting block. I've seen the starting blocks. But the games were reborn in 1896 at the Stadium of Marble in Athens. I did the Athens Olympics in uh, in 04. And they were amateur then, but they're no longer amateur. They're, they're, they're the ultimate world championship. Look, do you want to see tennis without Federer? Uh, do, do, do you want to see track without Usain Bolt? Usain Bolt is not an amateur. He makes more money than any player in the National Hockey League. So, and, and I, I do think Canadians love the Winter Olympics uh, because, uh, as a nation, Canadians are competitive in the glamour sports, hockey, figure skating. What I like uh, about Canadian athletes, I like all athletes, uh, all amateur professional athletes. The games are about the athletes. That's what I keep saying. But I remember when hockey came into the Olympics, and unlike the NBA players that came into the Olympics, I think in Barcelona in 92, who stayed in a yacht off the harbor, the uh, I can remember... Uh, some of the Olympic officials asking me what you do, and I said, have them stay in the village with the players. Be part of the Canadian team. I can remember, and this relates to Edmonton, I can remember in Salt Lake City in 2002 that there had not been a Canadian gold medal 
in men's hockey since the Edmonton Mercuries in 1952 in Oslo, Norway, named after a Mercury dealership in this city. And the coach, Pat Quinn, had me down and he said, what do I do? And I said, look, get them in to see a a, a medal. Have them meet uh, speed skaters. Have them play ping pong with skiers. Get them to go to figure skating. And the Canadian Olympic team, the professionals, people like Wayne Gretzky, uh, blended in beautifully. And I remember Wayne, after they were eliminated, uh, bitter disappointment, uh, lost to Czechoslovakia, the Czechs in uh, 1998 in Nagano, Japan. Wayne stayed for the closing ceremony and uh, didn't go home. And I remember him saying to me, uh, I didn't realize the magnitude or the importance of this until I became part of it. So, yeah, they've changed in some ways. They are a world championship, and professionalism is involved, as it, uh, as it should be. You don't want to see second-rate athletes. But if you take the attitude I do, it's about the athletes, not some of these fat cat, crooked people. I'm not a fan of the International Olympic Committee. These are the people that in in London, I had to call them out. And and this is significant when you think about the shooting in Pittsburgh uh, at the synagogue. It's the 40th anniversary of the slaughter of 11 Israeli athletes and coaches. They wouldn't even have a minute silence. They had a minute silence for the loser from Georgia killed in Vancouver, or I believe he was a loser at Whistler uh, Mm -hmm. the day of the opening ceremony, as they should have. But to not do it, and I said this on the air in London, it was, it was absolutely disgusting. And uh, the president of the IOC, Dr. Jacques Rogue, at the time said it's too political, to which I said, which I said on the air, uh, Reed, is that if you uh, march behind flags and play national anthems, this whole damn thing's political by its very nature. So if you, you know, get by the politics and the fat cats running it and concentrate on the young men and women representing their countries, it's special. Awesome stuff. Brian, uh, we're going to have to keep in touch. I love having you on the show. Uh, let, let people know when your specials are going to be on. Are we looking at Grey Cup week, Grey Cup day? What's happening here? Uh, the pregame show, okay. uh, James Duthie will host and uh, on, on TSN. It's uh, for several hours. You'll see it in the TV guide. But we will have the uh, special on the 40th anniversary of uh, the first of five straight Grey Cups and why is no offensive lineman in the Hall of Fame. We'll talk with Randy Ambrosi, a former Eskimos offensive lineman, not on those teams but in the 90s. And then right after that, we'll have a look back at 40 years of just a great stadium with so many great people like Gretzky, Dick Irvin, Huey Campbell. We'll be hearing from these people. Brian, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show, and enjoy your stay in Edmonton. I'm honored to be on Shed. When I was a young boy and wanted to be in broadcasting here in the late 50s, I'd see the great Brian Hall. I believe it was called Renfrew Park. I went to a baseball game, and I think Shed was up around 10 on the dial in those days. So it's great to be out with you, and please say hello to my friend Brian, an icon in our business. Definitely will do that. Brian Williams on Inside Sports. Wow. We're, we we have to get him on the show again. That was incredible. Brian in Edmonton shooting some specials for TSN's Grey Cup pregame show. Uh, man, he knows this city. He knows his sports. Uh, he's just an incredible storyteller. We're going to take a quick timeout. You can text 63630, phone number 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to those of you texting in. Uh, just a couple here. Barry, who is actually listening in Calgary, says, Great interview with Brian Williams. Just him rattling over those names and times bring back so many wonderful memories. 
And uh, Sam G says, uh, hi, Reed, man. He is such an unbelievably good storyteller. Great interview. Another texture says, Brian was an amazing guest. That was a great segment. That was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I got I to thank my buddy Morley Scott, who was on the show earlier, for uh, lining up Brian, because Morley saw Brian at uh, Commonwealth working on these features. And he was like, do you want to go on uh, Reed's show? So uh, Brian, very generous with his time to do it as well. What a career. And uh, I loved his perspective there on the Olympics. And he says, you know, look, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not amateurs anymore, but they've kind of turned into these world championships. And I don't think he likes the fat cats. Did you get that impression, Kellen? I got that impression the, 100%. The, the fat cats can can go play in the alley and, and leave everybody else alone. But uh, that was awesome to have Brian on the show. And he will be in Edmonton uh, during Grey Cup week at some point. So we'll have to try to get him on again. Absolutely. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. The Oil Kings are on a roll. We'll talk to their head coach, Brad Lauer. A little bit from Todd McClellan, from Alex Chason. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Sub-portions of the show brought to you by First. Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialists. Call 780-4-FAMILY or go to FurnaceFamily.com. We're back after the news. You're listening to 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. We gotta hear Monster Mash before the end of the show. I can do that. Or is that more for Valentine's Day? <laughs> Wasn't that the joke on The Simpsons? Well, it's a twice a year song. They accidentally. Yeah, it, that's right. Monster Mash fits on Halloween and also fits on Valentine's Day. Yeah, so twice it works a year. out perfectly. I choo choo choose you. What was the other card he gave her? Uh, B, B mine or something? And it's got a picture of a bee on it. Yeah. That's my Ralph Wiggum, by the way, for people who don't know. Valentine's Day, four months away. Well, four plus months away. You know what actually sounds funny is to say some of Ralph Wiggum's lines, but just in your own voice. Yeah. Well, my doctor said it wouldn't bleed so much if I just kept my finger out of there. My eyes feel like hurting. Well, in your own voice, my eyes feel like hurting. Okay. I bent my Wookiee. What's the other one? My cat's breath smells like cat food. That's the classic. Uh, Help, I'm in danger. (laughs) Ralph Wiggum. All right. Now, anyway, that's a little off topic. I should should have done that. Ralph Wiggum, perfect Halloween costume. As Ralph Wiggum? Yeah, I should have got his Ralph Wiggum. Yeah, he could. From The Simpsons. Everybody's got a blue shirt. (laughs) That's a good point. It's not not an overly costume. You'd need something for the hair. That's about it. And uh, I guess you'd have to, what color is pants? Brown, orange? I'm not even sure. I think they're kind of off-color brown. And you could walk around and pick your nose and say stupid things. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wait, that's what I do anyway. (laughs) All right. Uh, I hope the uh, trick-or-treating is going well, whether you're out uh, doing it yourself or giving out candy. Or maybe you've just shut your lights off and locked the door. Or maybe you're scaring kids <laughs> and, told, and taking their candy. Uh, I apparently, know. I got a text from my mother that my father has uh, somehow scared children to the point, answering the door, that they they fled without <laughs> getting any candy. Now, I don't know if she's exaggerating, okay. but I can definitely see my father doing this. So I can see my dad doing that, too. So Yeah, I mean, there's a point where... <laughs> 
I mean, my dad's in his 70s. What does he care? Like, get off my lawn, children. <laughs> uh, all right, it is uh, 7.38. This is not Ralph Wiggum. My name is Reed Wilkins. Oh, I got the same initials. Oh, my God, the connections are endless. <laughs> uh, we had Brian Williams on the show. That was a lot of fun. We will have Brad Lauer coming up before we sign off tonight, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who have won four straight. Uh, they have gone back and forth this season. They are now 9-7-1 and one on the season. The Oilers practice today. Ty Ratty uh, says he's getting close. He calls himself day-to-day. Maybe, maybe he's activated for tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I certainly would expect him to go on the road trip and uh, play on the road trip at the very least. Alex Chason has been uh, a nice little score here for the Oilers. Four goals in six games. Nice deflection goal last night. He knows you got to score from in tight. I think for me, it's always been part of my game where going around the net and you know, I mess around sometimes after practice just trying to play with different angles and things like that. Uh, you watch a guy like uh, Sidney Crosby or uh, T.J. Oshie last year. I played with him in Washington. They, they mess around after practice just trying to find angles and uh, things like that and uh, try to learn from those guys. Getting the body right in front of the goaltender. Todd McClellan gave a great clip after the game about net front presence. He says, why don't you kind of mirror the goalie? Except you're not a goalie. You're probably not going to stop the puck. Let it go by. A goalie can't see it. I know it sounds easier than it is, but it's a type of goal that the Oilers do not score a lot. And I'm not just talking about this season. We can probably go back six, seven, eight years and not find a lot of screened goals and uh, not find a lot of deflection goals. So it was nice to see Chase on bringing that. Obviously, the special teams were awful last night. Wild 3-for-3 on the power play. Oilers were 0-for-5. McClellan today after practice with a little more on the power play. We do a lot of research and analysis on power plays to try and improve ours. And they're, um, with Suter on the top, they're willing to float a lot of pucks in towards the net and take their chances with some of their bigger bodies and, and good hands at finding um, rebounds or secondary opportunities. And um, you look at the first goal that happened on a, on a poor clear on our behalf. Uh, the second one was a seeing eye puck that found its way through, but just a simple little wrist shot that that gets through. Uh, third one was uh, was a little bit different, obviously, but they created chances by, <coughs> excuse me, getting it to the pads. And you watch the games tonight. You can just go to NHL Network or any of the other, uh, you know, TV outlets, and when they have the highlight package, you see a power play goal. Very few end up in TSN top ten. Uh, most of them are scramble secondary type uh, goals all right well i mean i feel like we could have played a clip from any year from any previous uh, coach that the oilers don't have a good net presence and and don't create enough scramble type goals though to be fair the the, the power play has looked better this season it's still a 21.9 percent on the year if you're up between 20 and 25 you're going to be pretty good penalty killing has sunk to 69.4 percent that is 28th in the nhl is this a little blip where it's doing poorly? Is this a trend where the Oilers are going to have a bad PK year again? We shall see. They're 6-4-1. and one. Their record is okay. It has them in the mix. I expect them to, to stay in that range uh, most of the season. And uh, maybe you get into March, and they're probably close to the playoff cut line on either side of it, and they're fighting to get in. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the season went that way. 
I mean, the Oilers have Connor McDavid. They have Nugent Hopkins as Dreisaitl as, as pretty good support players. The forwards after that, there are a lot of question marks. There are a lot of inconsistencies, including Chason. But, I mean, at least he's having a burst. We haven't really seen one from any other forwards. Uh, the Oilers, you know, some of the defensemen are, look like they're bouncing back from last year. They don't have a really deep D, though. And uh, you have Talbot, who has looked uh, pretty good for the most part. Um you know, didn't have a good first game. Obviously, he was out goaltended against Pittsburgh. He was out goaltended last night, though three of the goals on the power play by the Wild. So, uh, I mean, I think that if the special teams are decent and Talbot is decent and McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins do their thing, they'll they'll be competitive. But, I, I, again, I said this all summer, I don't think the Oilers are deep enough to be a top-tier contending team. I also don't buy into the belief that there's some disaster that, uh, you know, we're going to win 20 games all season, like some of you were fearful of after they started 0-2. I mean, McDavid himself uh, swings games in the Oilers' favor. If they get some games into overtime, you know, they, they should be a, a pretty good pick to win more than half of their overtime games. So that's how I see this uh, this playing out. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. You can also text my personal cell phone if you have my number. Uh, my mother says, I would like to tell you that your dad is not mean to the kids. He is just spooky and asks them lots of questions like, why are you here and what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Which just makes the kids feel uncomfortable and challenged. All right. Just, just my, my dad's not a complete ghoul. He's okay. He's he's he's, uh, he's just an old codger. <laughs> I guess that would be the expression. We are going to take a timeout. We will uh, bring in Brad Lauer from the Edmonton Oil Kings. And uh, if you missed it earlier or you want to hear it again, we'll uh, give you our uh, horror movie trailer that we debuted earlier on the show. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the monster man. Well, now I can go home, Hat. It was a graveyard smash. He did the Happy Halloween. Oilers Blackhawks tomorrow on this station. 5.30 face-off show will be in Studio 99. Game at 7. Second of three meetings between the two teams. The Oilers won in overtime on Sunday. The Edmonton Oil Kings are getting to hit the road, and they're uh, playing well lately. Their head coach is Brad Lauer. Brad, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Well, good to have you on the show. Uh, Brad, we know there are ups and downs in any long hockey season. Now, I don't know if uh, you got together with your players and said, let's get them all the big ones out of the way early in the season. But, uh, man, back and forth you guys have gone so far. Yeah. No, it, it's been, uh, it's been like I said, it's not as, you don't want to have these roller coasters, but I think there's some learning experience we, we've, we've gone through. And, and obviously, we did get off to a really good start and going 5-0. and And then uh, we went on our, our U.S. trip and we played six games and nine nights. And, and uh, you know, we we didn't get a win on the road, but uh, you know, there's a few things that uh, that happened with injuries and stuff like that. And you know, we were in every game, but we just didn't uh, we just didn't take the next step. But uh, we got some guys back from from the injured, and, and uh, you know, we got we got back home, and uh, things started to work started rolling again for us. Tell me a little bit about some of the guys uh, managing 
what what has been you know a couple of decent winning streaks and obviously the the tough time on on uh, on the road trip have there been some I know you as coaches want to provide some leadership but there have been some players there who've maybe been steadying influences as well well for sure I think it's you know I think sometimes you can learn a lot from some losing streaks and I think uh, I think as our group I mean we learned from winning with the first five games and uh, obviously the when you start losing, you kind of see um, some of your identity come out. And I thought, I thought we really had some guys guys step up in the leadership department. You know, you know, obviously Trey coming to one of them, Benjafield being another guy. Um, you know, um, um, McLeod stepped up, and you know, and Capper, and you know, some of our older guys, and, and the guys have been in the league a couple more years, uh, going through it, and uh, they kind of. Uh, they kind of leaned on. They brought some leadership stuff, and I think I, I think our guys, say, you know, eventually got out of it and and uh, got back on a roll. And uh, you know, over the course of this winning streak, you got six, you got seven, uh, you got five, and then you scored six again on on uh, Sunday against Lethbridge. How come the offensive success? Uh, where's this power coming from? You know, I think I think the biggest thing we talked about is uh, we. I think our D, our D zone has been much better. We've. Uh, we're, a little more, we're much more committed in, in uh, uh, trying to eliminate the first, get into, our, into the guy first, and then having a second quick there for, for support to, to transition out of the D zone. So I really believe our D zone is, has, has gotten stronger. Uh, we're, we're battling a lot harder. We're, we're supporting a lot quicker. And then in, in, in hindsight, I mean, we are in transition a lot more, and, and we don't spend a lot of time wasting energy in the D zone. We we're able to create some offense, and uh, I mean, we we have some guys that that can that can go because that can create offense. Obviously, with Benj, Benj, and I think uh, you know Quinn ben, Benjfield has really stepped up here the last last few games. Uh, you know, Jake Neighbors has stepped up here. Uh, Coper, even uh, even Lupin has uh, contributed. And, uh, I mean, I can keep going on. Like Liam Keeler stepped up in the in the second line center, and he's playing extremely well for us. So. We've had a lot of guys that have elevated their game the last over the while here. Well, you mentioned Jake Neighbors, and good for him. He's WHL Rookie of the Month for uh, September and October. Fourteen points in seventeen games. You know, obviously, uh, you know, a younger player, and uh, sometimes they take a little longer to come come along. I know he came in with some high expectations, but mm-hmm. what has he done to be able to produce and and sort of live up to some of the expectations that were placed on him? Well, I think you know, one for for a sixteen year old, he's he's very mature for his age. Um, size wise, he's 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 built pretty good for a young for a young kid yet. And then the other thing is, like he's he's very versatile. I've I've used him. You know, we we've, we've had him on the fourth line, third line, first line, second line. He's played left wing. He's played center. He's he's very versatile. Um, been able to use him on uh, on our first unit of the power play uh, quite a bit this year, and he's he's done a very good job of. Uh, of supporting and and uh, helping uh, create offense and that and, and and you know it's great it's great for him to to get that recognition in, in October because he has played very well for us. All right, Brad, and uh, on the road again. It's it's you get to come home in between some of these games, but it is six straight away from home. You're not at Rogers yeah. Place again until Saturday, November seventeenth. Starts off uh, against Regina on Friday night. What do you know here about the Pats? What can we expect? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, uh, they went to the finals last year, hosting the Memorial Cup. They they had a good year. They lost some guys, but I think the biggest thing is that uh, you know we got to watch a few of their games here, and and 
one thing you know you're going to get from them is they're going to they're going to work extremely hard. They they got some decent size. They're they're uh, they're uh, their back end physical. Uh, they got good goaltending. Um, it's going to be a good game. I mean, uh, for for us to be successful against them, we're going to got to use our speed. We got to make sure we play the 200 foot game. Uh, we got to create offense. We got to put pressure on our defense and and uh, be be ready to work. All right, Brad. Well, all the best. Obviously, uh, we'll keep in touch, but uh, keep the winning streak going here, man. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks. We appreciate it. Great to talk with Brad Lauer, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. And, yeah, good stuff there for Jake Neighbors. He's the WHL Rookie of the Month for September and October. All right. Hope you're having a great Halloween. Again, Oilers tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7 here on 6.30. Chet, Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. We will give it one more spin. Our very special trailer for a hockey horror movie. Coming soon to Oil Country. A tale of terror unlike anything you've ever experienced. He throw to Monaghan, Monaghan, score! The Calgary Flames. Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup Final. No, it can't be true! Two rivals of the Oilers going head-to-head for hockey's greatest prize. I, I want to watch, but it's going to make me puke. Featuring Bob Layton as Mike Babcock. Hey, let me tell you something. We just have to work harder. That's what it comes down to. And Joe Pesci as Johnny Gaudreau. You calling me little? Like I'm smaller than you? It's the movie event that critics are calling a nightmare. And hockey fans are calling not plausible. With a special appearance by Christopher Walken as Commissioner Gary Bettman. I want to congratulate both teams on a great series. Leafs. Flames. For the Stanley Cup. A tale of hockey horror. <laughs> six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.